0: TheYeshiva.net. We learn a which is this week's parsha, uh, page one fifty-six. That's page fifty-six. You see, Shir This is a mimer of the Balatanya, the Bal of today, Yitoskislev, which he said in the year Tovkuf Samachhe. That would mean 1804. Why does this pasuk fall in, come into Torah parshas Vayeshev? Of course, the answer is parshas Vayeshev is a parish of dreams. <coughs> At some point in Vayesha, in, in parish Sefer everyone starts dreaming. The early parishist is not too many dreams. At some point. The dreams begin. Already Vayatse Yaakov Avinu has a dream. At the end of Vayetse Lovon has a dream. And uh, in Vayeshev, already everybody is dreaming. Yosef has a dream, Yosef has another dream, the butler has a dream, the baker has a dream, Pyro dreams, <laughs> one dream, another dream. Reality shifts to dreams. So he starts over the Pasik from Tehillim. Of course, we all know the Pasik, Shira Malo is B'shuv Hashem as Shiva Sion, Hayinu Kachaylmen, which is chapter Kuf Chavav in Tehillim. David Hamelech says, "When Hashem will return the captives of Sion, Hayinu Kachaylmen, we will appear to ourselves as Chaylmen as dreamers." What does this mean? What does it mean, Hayinu Kachaylmen? We will look at ourselves that was and see ourselves as dreamers. We will experience it all as a dream. What does this mean? The definition of a dream is that it's not in reality. A person wakes up from a terrible dream and then they sigh, they relax, they breathe a, they breathe a, a, they have a sigh of relief because they realize it was all a dream. It's not reality, it's fictional. It was just in your mind, in your imagination. But you can say that all of Jewish history was a dream. I mean, halavai. <laughs> It's all a dream, So there's different explanations. What does it mean, The Balatanya is going to give a perspective. What's this a perspective. And it will then tie into the uniqueness of Yosef HaTzadik, who was the great dreamer, the Balach If you analyze a dream, you know that dreams are unique. What do dreams do? They bring together two opposites in one theme. Shnei hafchem echad is a philosophical term in Sifrei, the Svarim of Jewish Philosophy. Shnei means paradoxes, benoise echad in one theme. Things that can't coexist, the dream makes peace between them. shnei hafchem kilu The dream brings together paradoxes as though they work together, as though they weren't mutually exclusive. How does this happen? You all know you wake up from a dream and things that were impossible to coexist suddenly coexisted. You're at home, but in your house, in your house, you're in your house with the people living in your house, but you're also in another country. You could be in two separate places and somehow both of those places are in the same place in the same dream. Things that in reality, if you scrutinize, if you put it under the micro, if you put it under the the lens of reality, it doesn't make sense. In the Khalam, it's perfect, not a not an How does this happen? What what does the dream do to be able to allow this? ha What happens is when a person falls asleep, the kayak ha sechil the intellectual ability to distinguish, to discriminate mafchin from the word b'china, to examine, to test. And to create separation is gone. What remains is koyachmeddamah, the koyih of dymun, the koyak of imagination. The koyak ameddama yachal arkiv basinanim And the koyah chameddamah, the koyak of dhimmun of imagination can be markiv, can bring together, can synthesize paradoxes. He's gonna give an example of what a person may dream about. This is eighteen oh five. You want to travel? You get into a boat, but the boat flies. (laughs) boat flies. It's exactly a hundred years before the Wright brothers (laughs) gave us the Sfina Ratzabahavir. But you hear what he was dreaming about. (laughs) Sfina Ratzabahavir, the Sfina is flying in the air. Today it's not a dream anymore. (laughs) I was yesterday on a Sfina Ratzabahavir. I'm going to be tonight on a Sfina Ratzabahavir. It's not a dream. Sometimes it looks like a dream. Raksha Bahukits when you wake up. Bahokits, when you wake up. say, why did they give credit to Wright brothers, yeah? They actually did it. 1902, 1903. 1903, I believe. Raksha Bahukits, when you wake up. What happens is the koyach arouses also. who has al the Haseichel rules over the koyechadimyan. He doesn't allow him to make all these uh, to make all these tricks. Because in the eye of your mind, you see clearly these are separate things and they cannot come together. So even though the power of imagination is fertile even during the day, but during the day you have a counterforce of the Kayecha which meddles into your imagination and says, hey, dude, you're getting carried away. It doesn't work this way. If you're here, you're here. If you're here, you're here. This happened, it didn't happen. When you go to sleep, that shuts down. When it shuts down, you're free to fly like a bird. Completely no problem. I you say, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work on paper. It's not reality. Who says that reality is reality? Kayecha has its reality. Kohechaseichel says, "Excuse me, you have to conform to the standards of reality that we see with our eyes, we feel with our five senses, and therefore challenges the Kohechamedame, and it doesn't allow it, doesn't allow it to express itself fully. Of course, there are people who are sleeping during the day; they don't have they don't have any duty, they don't have to, um, uh, they don't have a pledge of allegiance to Kohechaseichel." They are always in Kayach HaMedamah. Yeah, it's fine. Somebody once told the ponavitcherov Rav Kahanman, he was a, a dreamer and he was a builder. So somebody once said, ponavitcherov You're dreaming. He says, MS I'm It's true that I'm dreaming, but it's not in the middle of my sleep. I'm dreaming while I'm sober. I'm dream. I'm dreaming during the daytime. So. During the day he says the Kaya HaMadama gets overpowered. It's not it's still there, but it gets overpowered by a stronger dictator's force. The Kayach Sekla Makuna doesn't let it get out of control. And frankly, somebody who does let it get out of control, we don't we start giving names to this person. Even though everybody really does it, but as long as you do it in your sleep we have no issue with it. You wake up and you say that I have a dream, everybody's fine. But if you start yeah. defining that as daytime reality, then they start giving you all types of diagnosis. All types of names. What's the difference? The difference is you open your eyes. Once you open your eyes, you get out of bed and you put on your suit. Now, you have to conform to the dictates of reality that the Ayin Haseichel says this is reality. This is his Agdama. what a Chalem is. the But the embassy is that this is really a symbol, a metaphor of the whole experience in Golos. Nitzu t'salakuz b'nefesh Adam. Which Golos we're talking about here? It always starts with a personal exile. The spark of godliness in the human soul is an exile. Shubh b'chines shine A person is in a state of sleep, and istalkos their awareness departs from them. Istalkos means your moichin, your sense of awareness, somewhat departs. It doesn't mean there's no awareness. If there was no awareness, the person wouldn't be able to live. The brain still functions, and in some ways functions in a very profound way. But there's a certain level of sober awareness, of calculated, organized awareness, which, as we see, is about the hierarchies. Everything has its classification. This is here, and this is here, and don't mix the two. That's what a dream does. Don't, if I'm in Australia, I'm not in New York. If I'm in New York, I'm not in Israel. And if I'm in Israel, I'm not in California. In the dream, you have no issues like this. In a dream you're alive and you're dead, you're here and you're there, and you meet this person, you meet the other person. One moment you're doing a deal here, the next moment you're in a different country in a different lifetime. But you wake up, now the power of awareness, which is very discriminating, and wants you to conform to reality, takes over. In the says, when there's a time of sleep, so therefore the level of awareness is somewhat, le- is somewhat dulled. Yachadu laharkiv based dvarim the definition of gullus he's now talking about a psychological, spiritual exile. What is the definition of gullus? You're dreaming. What does it mean you're dreaming? Opposites coexist in your life perfectly. And you have no, no problem with it. There's no issue with what we call today cognitive dissonance. I have no problem. There's this thing and there's this thing. There are two opposites and they both sit very comfortably in me. That's because I'm asleep. What does this mean? He says, look at people's life. Leah is... A whole day, the person is stressed out in business. Every person trying to make his buck. Betza means money. Very interesting. Everybody's trying to make his dollar. It's an expression of Chazal. This one is looking for his olive. And this one is looking for his his vine. This one is looking for his fig tree. Every person has their um, their issue, their their parnosa, their masomatan that they want to they want to produce. Hagam mm-hmm. even though by Davani, he's talking to a serious person. So he has a moment of Davani where he arouses his love, until she desires Lispash to the. De- Divest herself from all of the cloaks, all of the garments. Because of the mindful meditation in either the higher level of unity or the lower level of unity. Which generally in the Torah of the Balatanya, one of the big Yusaydis is based on the Zoya, that there's two ways of experiencing God's oneness. One is called Yechud Ilah, the higher consciousness of unity, the lower consciousness of unity. It's the difference between Shema Yisrael, Hashem Alkeino Hashem Echad, and Baruch Shem Kvod Malchuso LeOlam Va. Shema Yisrael is a higher consciousness of unity. Baruch Shem is a lower consciousness of unity. Now it's a long and uh, very loaded sukkah. I'm just going to say one vart, just to put it in context, and that is Ta Is basically if you want to use the yeshiva sheloshim, Yichudatata is Adin in the velet. And Yechudah is Adin in the Meibisht, Adin in Yechudah Tata is basically the search for I. The search for I, the search for self. Or the famous man's search for meaning. Man's search for self-discovery. And one of the paradigms of Torah, especially Torah Sanist, especially Chesidus, is that in the search for self, to find who you are, ultimately you have to find God, because that's who you are. The search for self is really a search for God. And the search for God is really a search for self. Because the self is an expression of divine energy. Mipsari <laughs> <laughs> echzelika. Well, Al Tanya once said as a apostolic in Iyo, Mipsari echzelika. Literally means, from me, from my life, I'll see God. He says, Mipsari <laughs> means from my flesh. The flesh was always, in, in philosophy, was always deemed as something inferior, as a piece of garbage, you know, the flesh the animal part of you, the goof. And the ultimate is to leave the goof. But he said, sorry, okay. he said, Medav Shayin in the Basar, the You have to sand your flesh, excavate it, until you'll perceive God in your flesh. In other words, if you'll really search deep into yourself, you'll find Hashem. That's Yichudah that's a lower consciousness of unity, even though between you and I it's a pretty high consciousness, trust me. But relative to Yehudelah, it's, it's a lower consciousness of unity. Yehude is the other way around. The Balham once said, I mentioned, I think last night, God is alts and alts is God. God is everything and everything is God. God is everything is Yahu Tata. Everything is God is Ya Tata. God is alts is la Alts is God is Ya Tata. Yichude tata, you start with everything. And then you reach God. Yechud law is the perspective of complete oneness, where there's no self that's struggling with finding out who it is, and it discovers it's an expression of Hashem. But in Yechud Elah, there's complete oneness. There's complete, absolute oneness where the independence didn't emerge yet as a separate reality, as a separate being. It's completely part of oneness. So there's no consciousness and struggle with a world that you're trying to make peace between the world and God. So he says, whether somebody meditates on Yehudi or Yehudi either way, by davening, they're capable of arousing a love, and the love is so deep that you want to lispashet milavusha. That's what love is. Love is, I hate my garments. I don't want to stay stuck. Lavushem here is a metaphor. It doesn't mean lispashet milavusha that yeah, mama, you have to take off your clothes, even though we have in the Tanakh, right? In the Nevi'im, yeah? By Novua, you know what they would do? They would uh, they were naked. They would take over their clothes because they didn't want any any blockages, any blockages. But here he's talking about spiritually. The idea is that the person doesn't want to be connected to anything that holds them back from the love. They want to completely fly away. They want to completely be in love. They want to completely melt away in the experience of the other, in the experience of Hashem. He says a person is capable of that Avadurantfila. during tefillah, but what happens is Afel Pikain, acher tefillah. Davening ends. So here he's talking about a person who has genuine experiences. But after Davani, <laughs> it's all gone. He doesn't even realize fila. He's now in a state where is completely contrary to the mindfulness that it was during davening. In his heart, he brings together paradoxes as though they were one of the the Really, when you put it under the lens of reality, it's two separate, opposite, remote realities. He says, what are you saying it's opposite? same Torah that speaks about Avos Hashem says for six years, you should plant your field. Even in Krishna. And a line later it says, Go gather your grain. What do you mean it's opposite? Ha tizra is part of avaida it's part of serving god there's the way a person serves Hashem on the seventh year, Shemitah. There's the way you serve Hashem on the six years. The way is six days, the Shabbos. Because throughout the six years, the Havayda called Havayda of Birurim, of selection, of elevating, of sublimating, of separating. And then there's the seventh year when everything goes back to its source, like Shabbos. And it's all about Kavanah HaLev. The Goncha of Krishna is not detached from the Havayda HaShem. Avalev But the heart of the masses, Hanoitim acher bitzon who gravitate after the money, in order to find and discover the prey of the bread, of what they need, literally, there are A lot of prose here. He says, prose, he their heart does not imagine it this way. Their heart doesn't follow it this way. He says, what happens is it's a new person. It's a person who suddenly sees his physical material needs as the key of life. In davening, he had a Yisairus where he was completely in love with God. There was no mixture of anything alien. And if that would continue, he would go to work. That's not an issue. The problem is not the work. The problem is the paradigm behind it. The perspective behind it. If it's a chelik of Avodah Hashem, then the money and the food and the grain is all part of his relationship with God. That's Avodah Sabirudah. Here he's dealing with that a kind of paradox. That a person somehow in his mind deals in two separate realities. One moment... One moment in davening, he really, really has a genuine love to Hashem where there's nothing else that matters. And it's such a deep love, he wants to take it and divest himself from all garments, from all concealments, from all uh, burdens, and from all attachments that don't allow him to fully experience the love. He wants to completely soar, and that's real. And then after davening, he sits down to eat the omelet, and he forgets everything. He suddenly comes into the office and there's a whole new reality. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just had a recognition of Einoid Mulvada. You just had a recognition that God has won Yechud Elohim, Tata. And now his wife tells him something. Boom, it's all gone. Why does it have to be a Huh? What's the question? Why does it have to be on faith? if it's continuous, then it's continuous it's, and it's not that way you see, that's the definition of Golos, definition of gullus of the spark of holiness in the Golos, is the spark of a Likus in is, that a person has the state of a Chalem, what's the state of a Chalem? the state of a is I live in opposite realities, and they both coexist in my life, and somehow, that's how it is, that's reality for me Reality doesn't make sense. Reality, I go from one extreme, I go to another extreme, even though if I put it under the lens of scrutiny, it's like, what are, you really, what are your real priorities? What do you really believe? What is your real value system? Are you this person, or are you that person? Who are you? If it's not a continuum, then it's not an to be right. That's the contrast he's addressing. So what would most people tell you now? Most people would say, or many people would say, and this is what we often tell ourselves. You're a hypocrite. <laughs> You're a liar. You're a delusional person. You're a dreamer. You're a dreamer. We know who you are. However, people are manipulative. And the first person you manipulate is always yourself. Klotzke said, The first thing is, yeah, sign von is, Don't steal from yourself. Don't deceive. Don't do gnevas Das to yourself. So basically what's happening is, you have a moment of idealism, but you know that it's fake. Vaharaya, an hour later, your wife makes a comment, and suddenly the selfless idealist became a narcissistic beast. So what happened? What happened? You go into work, and somebody says something, somebody does something, somebody sends a text, an email, and suddenly you forgot everything. So one moment, there was a hergish of Yechudah Tata, this oneness. And then a moment later, the person is in a very different mode. So they have to say one is a false reality and one is a real reality. So which one is the false, which one is the real one? They say the tefillah was obviously a very external, superficial reality. And then you sober up, you wake up from your dream, and you figure out who you are. That's (laughs) how one sees it. So he continues, he says, even after all this truth that I'm telling you person should not get depressed. Lippo means your heart shouldn't fall down. Loima to say, mm-hmm. And you understand that this is a response to people who would come to him and they would say, I, have to, I can't figure out who I am. Am I an animal or am I a human being? Am I selfish? Am I selfless? Am I divine or am I earthy? Do I have a sense of God's unity or am I completely detached from it? Who am I? He says, don't feel so bad. Don't let your heart fall down. You come to the conclusion that all of this iris you ever had is a dimion shav. You know what a dimion shav means? Vain imagination. It's a foolish dream. Dimion is imagination. Shav means it's, it's, it's nothing. It's futile. It's nothing. It's meaningless. Don't say this. It's like a dream. You take dreams seriously. People who take dreams seriously have a serious problem. You wake up from the dream, how long does it take to figure out it wasn't a dream if you had a nightmare? It takes sometimes sixty seconds, right? You're trembling, you screamed in your sleep. Anybody here has nightmares? You had last night? No, not after that. Okay, good, at least not last night. But you wake up, you're sweating, you're nervous, you just got, you know, people just die, whatever, they almost, they they don't usually die, but they almost die. (laughs) And when they're about to die, you know, the trigger was pulled, they wake up, so sometimes it takes 10 seconds. But after two, three minutes, you wake up. Thank God it was a dream. You wake up. What about a person who takes the dream a whole day? (laughs) Wherever they go, they're still dreaming. So obviously there's something... We call this a clinical situation. I mean, there are terms for it. It's a clinical situation. It's a person not living in reality. The Rebbe says he woke up. He woke up. Oh, no. After davening, you see the whole davening is gone. Now you have to say, He's talking about a Jew who daven's. Sometimes a Jew doesn't begin to have one side. He's talking not a Jew who has one side. He has an experience of God, Aves Hashem. But afterwards, he's completely transformed. He loves his body. Now again, loving the body is not a bad thing, but it's like the work. If the guf is a chelik of the nesham, it's a chelik of the Zashem, then fakert. The body is holy. But he's talking about lev, is gufe, the person completely detaches their outer self from their inner self is means they love the outer shell of their body. They don't see their body as a continuum of their soul. Their body becomes a completely self-contained reality which actually betrays the body too. Because a healthy body is a body that reflects the soul. Right? The famous Marshall that's brought in Chesidus that uh, when a person uh, as one saw Sayyid went over, a big grove, went over to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and he gave him Shalmolech he said, "V filters in Yiddish, he said, which literally translated means how do you feel yourself? So he says, is he says, how do you know that you're not healthy? He explained to the person. If you feel your pinky, what does it mean? It means there's a boo. If you feel your head, it means you have a headache. A person, let's say, has a good workout and they feel great what do they feel? They don't feel. They don't feel their body. The body is one with the soul. The more one with the soul it is, the less you feel it. The more you feel it, it means it's detached from its source of life. It's detached from when source of life. It's actually a sign of chas v'shalom and affection or, or fatigue or exhaustion or illness or even just heaviness. If I start feeling my body, it actually means my body is not the way it should be. When it's the way it should be in an optimal health, you don't feel it. So self-consciousness is a sign of detachment from self. So when he says lev is goofoy, when the body is one with the soul, then it's a different type of goof. What happens is after daveni, he becomes a different type of person. Here was a person who was focused internally, and now was a person completely focused externally. The body wants something, and he jumps for it. He sits down for breakfast. He spent three hours in the morning learning. Davening, learning, he became one with himself. Then he goes to, to, the, to the breakfast, or to work, and it's all gone, it's all lost. Suddenly, his external habits, cravings, inclinations, and instincts completely overwhelm him, it's all gone. So the whole consciousness that was there is simply wiped over the map. And this happens sometimes, it could be a month and a month, it could be a year and a year, it could be a week and a week. And with some people it could be minute to minute, or hour to hour. So he says, <laughs> Hare move on. Shagam bitfila bitless avisguf and covakal. The charayah the davanim was fake. By Sarah Shabitfila Saval <laughs> Hashem Levada. Ain't i itis. <laughs> the holy sir is Hashem was fake. Rakidimy Nachholam Shamachaber Bez Hofhim. It's bash the dream. The daimal shoyevas hashem. It's an imagination that you love God. The Afa became It doesn't work together. You're not sober. You're not awake. You're in dreamland. In dreamland, opposites coexist. Really, they're mutually exclusive. You're just not aware of anything. When you're not living in reality, you allow paradoxes to coexist, and both of them are real for you. But you have to, at some point, wake up and be honest with yourself and say you never had a davening in your life. You don't even have the experience because if it was real now, what happened 20 minutes later, you're in the abyss? What happened? You mean if you're feeling your body now, it's just like Koach Adimian never disappears, then you're saying you have a Koach Aduv, which obviously also never disappears right. by davening you also. Right. Even by davening the Ava that you were experiencing, it was a Dimian, it was like a an column. And that's why, five minutes later, ten minutes later, in the office, he'll backstab. He'll cheat, he'll gossip. What happened? You were in a different space. You weren't in a different space. <laughs> you wanted to be in a different space. The environment maybe was there. It was like a delusion. A delusion, fine. It's called celestial delusions, heavenly delusions. But it's really chaloimus. And the question here is really a very fundamental one. How much should you believe in your idealism? Because you're going to get disappointed. How much should you believe in other people's idealism? Some people have a philosophy, they don't trust anybody. First person they don't trust is themselves, second person is their wife, third is their kids, and then the world, of course, you don't trust, because then, as somebody once told me, he says, I don't trust, so I don't get disappointed. And of course it starts with yourself. We call it cynicism. Cynicism says, I'm not a dreamer. Cynics say, cynics will always tell you, we live in reality, we don't live in dreams. We live in reality. Reality, everybody betrays you. A friend today is an enemy tomorrow. He was your best friend. You see it sometimes, and it's tragic, right? You see people who are my best friends. Something happens in business. Something happens between a family, a mishpach, He didn't give him bracha by the chuppah. It's over 20 years later. He didn't give him bracha achrit. It's jungle. Huh? Yeah, the jungle. It says nothing. <laughs> you want to spoil the whole, uh, the whole thing? <laughs> you should say it. He starts. This MS. If he starts that, you shouldn't say it, then you miss the point. It's an MS. What I'm saying is true. It's a column, It's a paradox. The person could come and tell himself, so the whole thing is worthless. And the real issue comes up with young people. Older people usually become a little more cynical. They've been around the block and they stop getting excited by things, you know? They'll sometimes sit, uh, you going to sit with older people, seasoned people, you'll sit with them at meetings. They already heard everything. They become what's called jaded. The word is jaded. The was jaded, mate. Um, what's the Yiddish word for jaded? Who's in the Yiddish system? Jaded. Uh, it's like cynical, yeah. It's, it's in a way. It's not, You don't even have to be cynical. Nothing gets you. Nothing moves you anymore. Nothing moves you. If you walk with a little kid to shul, yeah, he'll say, "Wow, look, look, look!" Right? There's something red on the earth, and he gets excited. Like, Let's go! You know, we're ready after being shul because there's lunch. Because there's a nap. Because it's already Sunday afternoon in Costco. You're not walking on from shul. It's already, you know, three years down the line, I have to marry you off. There's no th- something called living in the moment. You're jaded. It's like, let's just, you know, another day bites the dust. You're exhausted. You don't, you're not interested in anything. So, but young people are not jaded because they have ritchas hanoyar. they have the passion of youth. So you'll often have teenagers, especially boys in yeshiva and this, and they get very, very excited with their possibilities. But of course, a week later, a month later, a year later, they discover that they're, uh, they're just regular people. Sometimes it kills them, because they tell themselves, I want to be honest, and if I'm honest with myself, I can't justify both realities in the same heart, and live a true life, unless I become an actor, or on the other extreme, you become disillusioned. So this is really the question. It's a question in every day's life. It's a question about a personality. Especially it's true with perfectionists. Perfectionists, this kills them. What's a perfectionist? Everything has to be perfect. And suddenly you see you're on top of the mountain. And an hour later, there's nothing happening. That acknowledgement is very painful. It's very humbling. Dr. Rebbe continues. He says, Kadarka, he's now going to turn it all around. The Emes is... He may, and after have to, so he was extremely, um, the word is not cynical, he was extremely, uh, uh, not critical, but he was extremely uh, emphatic, emphatic. He's never critical, but he's emphatic about the paradox, about the contradictions. You have to know who you are. Do you love God, or do you love money? Do you love truth, or do you love falsehood? Do you love depth, or do you love superficiality? There's paradoxes here. The chalim is a chalim. Ames. The Chalim is a chalim, and a chalim synthesizes fiction. Emes. But the shirish of a chalim is rooted in a place called Harere Kodesh Elyon, the mountains of supernal holiness. What does this mean? This we have to understand the Pasuk. We say it in Aleinu. The Novi Zecharia says, we say it also before Yishtabach, right? So there's a famous Gemara here. The Gemara asks a question. The Gemara asks a question. That day, God will be one, and His name will be one. We say it every day. Before Yishtabach and at the end of Aleinu. Ushmoyachot. And if you go to a real shul, they'll give you an ushmoyachot. Ushmo. Yeah, you ever heard that? Ushamo. You grew up with it? Yeah. Ushmoy. His name is one. Now His name is not one. What He has now, not one name. That's for the Gemara. And for the Gemara, Umeshani. Loik Shani ani Nikra. Today, my name is not one. The way I'm written is not the way I'm pronounced. Yutkevovke is not how you pronounce Yutkevovke. We don't say Vavke, We say Adna. We give a different name. It's written one way, it's pronounced a different way. We don't even know how it was. I'm all Pronounced as Manhabayis. It was pronounced in a different way. But then it was hidden. Well, The way I'm written is the way I'll be pronounced. What's the concept of this? What's the big deal? For Kishmoyu his name is an It can't be pronounced the way it's written. The way it's pronounced is never an expression of the way it's written. Written is the way it's on paper. Pronounced is the way I express it. What we're expressing is not that which is written on the parchment. There is a fragmentation between the written word and the pronounced word. It comes through a, a sheath, an article. a lavush. Golus generally is a time of slumber. And the weirdness is somewhat aloof at the parts. Tlas klilon chuli is an expression in Kabbalah that the fetus in the womb of its mother is recoiled, it's rolled up where uh, the head is, so to speak, tlas <inaudible> klilon. The higher organs and limbs are recoiled and rolled up in the lower organs, so they're not visible. During sleep, the neshama, it says in Medrash, goes up and gets a new dosage of life from above. And there, things are circles. Circles don't have a higher place and a lower place, a beginning or an end. Everything is equal. integrated. united. Everything Without any fragmentation. The Gemara says, There could be two opposite views. They're both words of the living God. When the energy comes down through lines, not through circles, then you have a division. You have the right line. You have the left line. In the circles, there's no divisiveness. Everything that below will become split up over there is completely integrated and you can absolutely not see any period in his He's introducing here a concept called igulim versus Kavim or sometimes it's called Yosha. Igula means circles. Yosha means straight lines. A kava is a straight line. It's, of course, symbolic. In a circle, any way you'll put the circle, any position you'll put it, it's always exactly the same. It's not like if you put it upside down, or on the right, or on the left, it changes. In other words, the top, the bottom, the right, the left, it's all uniform. That's what an eagle is. A kava line, with something that's made up of lines, so then it depends on the position. You have right, you have left, you have Mila, you have Mata. It represents two stages of reality. The divine, the divine himself is undefined. Therefore, divine energy in its pristine state is in a state of ego. A state of ego means there's absolutely no distinction between things, because there's no definition. If the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear as is, which is pure infinity. And since it's pure infinity... So there's no division between one reality and another reality because it's all part of the world of Igulim. But our world is based on structure, on classifications. There's right and there's left. There's higher and there's lower. There's normal and there's not normal. There's day and there's night. Everything is based on classifications. And that's how a healthy organism functions. Everything has its role, its function, its purpose. And there's duality, there's fragmentation. You are you and I am I. In the world of Igulim, he says... There's no Milo Mata. There's no higher and lower. Everything is part of one reality and there's no distinction. However, Igulim doesn't remain in Igulim. It comes down through Kavim. Once it comes down through Kavim, now you have to have Eschalkos. Now you have to have division. So he says, what happens now is as follows. Is there any way that we can access Igulim down here? It's only when we go to sleep. Only in your sleep can you access the place of igulim, because the awareness is absolute mm. is compromised. <laughs> al zenem or the pasuk says al shamayim kederes, <laughs> which means I will dress the heaven with darkness. Shamayim hinchin es the heavens represent igulim. Hey maluboshim bepchin kadres when they're dressed in a dark garment. So Helam veHested is a concealment. Sha'oz Meirum is snootitz melmaila me'elam me'elyin. So then, in the time of sleep, there's a spark from the world of igulim. Which is expressed in the dream. The dream in your imagination, paradoxes become one. You know why? Because really, in a certain state of reality, the paradoxes are one. In the world of Egulim, there's no paradox. It's not a paradox. Once reality imposes kavin, lines on circles, now this is opposite. I'm sorry, you can't coexist. They have to become distant. Once you hit consciousness, which is called chachma, You have to graduate from a gullum. If not, we call you a crazy person. Once consciousness takes over, consciousness is based on structure. Consciousness is based on division, on distinctiveness. You have to put things in places. If not, you can't live. Everything has context. And that's what we call organized people, cohesive people, normal people, structured people. There's hierarchies schedules responsibilities duties you place yourself some you place everyone has a place and a space and if you start bringing in the other world it's absolute chaos we say that all of our das spaces have done like exactly it I mean das This begins with Chachma. So the moment you wake up, you have to say goodbye to the world of Egulem. This is where Kavan begins. It only begins and then it goes, it, it morphs into more concrete and more concrete. You have to go to sleep. Because of the problem of Golos, it allows you to access something. Because you have less consciousness, so you can actually access something deeper. As You have a light of the higher earth. But the only way it comes into our world is it's concealed through a veneer of darkness. It's enclosed and concealment. Because the moment it's revealed, revelation in our world has already das the spheroids which have a hierarchy. He says, but will the, yeah, the typhus. What he's saying here—it's very deep. The kitsi' is saying as follows: real reality is igulim. There's no distinction. There's no classification. Everything is one. By Mahu Hashem God is one, but the name is not one. Name is your name, your expression. There's how He's written, and there's how it's pronounced. The Gemara says now, what's written and what's pronounced is two separate names. It's not the same name, because the world we live in is a world of distinctions. That's how you live. And that's how you have to live. And that's what we call a normal consciousness that functions, a functional consciousness. We always distinguish between a person who's functional and not functional. What's the difference? Everyone has chaos in their life, but the question is, how much control do you have? how, How easy is it for you to put it in the box and not let it come out? Or how many symptoms do you have of absolute chaos emerging? Where can chaos emerge? Only in a dream. Why? on one level we're, we're criticizing the dream we're saying you're basically not sober you're not in reality you're dreaming you're dreaming so you're in australia and new york and it's morning and it's night and it's the same and it's the same reality even though it's not the same on one level on another level he says what's really happening is because you're sleeping so therefore this is and your level of awareness is is duller it so to speak the neshama goes up and you're not completely connected so there's a ray, there's a remnant, there's a trace of the level of a gulen where there's no distinctions. Night and day, geography, space, time, logic. All these things, the distinctions don't exist. And that's what the dream opens you up to. However, in a state of consciousness that can't continue, because if it does continue, the person can't function in a conscious way. They can't live in a normal world because we don't live in a world of igulim. We live in a world of Khaven. When I fall asleep and my consciousness, so to speak, goes up a notch, which on one level it's a chesorim because I'm not integrated, I'm not, respons- I'm not responsible, I'm in mean, other moods, but I'm not responsible on the same level. You don't make decisions when you're asleep. right? It's not a good idea to make decisions. That's when a person can tune into a and that's the secret of the khalam. So even though on one level the chalem is not reality, on another level the chalem is real reality. But when you wake up, the khalam stops. Spiritually speaking, what does this mean? In a time when everything is seen clearly, there's no room for paradoxes. This is Abbas Hashem, and this is the opposite. In a state of Galus where there's a certain form of slumber, the person combines paradoxes. On one level, it's because of immaturity. It's because you're not in touch with reality. And therefore, paradoxes are combined. On another level, he says, it's our way of accessing Igulim in an incomplete world. In a dark world, Igulim are accessed through darkness. They're accessed through concealment, not through revelation. But now we come to the next step in the future of comes. your teacher will not be eclipsed. Konof is levush, like Arba Konfas. Your teacher won't have a konof, he won't have a levush. The name won't be eclipsed in a sheath, it will be pronounced like it's written. Eye to eye will see. So when Hashem brings back the captives of Tziyah and we'll realize we're dreamers. Suddenly people will realize what happened in Golis. Everybody will realize that the Hechiyu's they experienced in golos which is called the time of sleep, was really the dream. Ah, this was the secret. So on one level it becomes because it's golos and golos is a time of Shina. But because it's a time of Shina, a time of sleep, so therefore, and they'll be able to look back and define it as what? As a Cholom. And because it was a Chalem, therefore, even though the chalim is painful, because it combines paradoxes, which seems that you're just living in a delusion, the MS is that really you're accessing a space that is beyond paradoxes where paradoxes are completely synthesized, where you can't even speak about two opposites, because the moment you define them as opposites, you're imposing the human conscious vocabulary on reality. And in Golos, you have access to a vocabulary that is not defined by vocabulary. Why? Not because you're less in touch with truth, but because you have an access to a deeper truth. So the person who's dreaming operates in paradoxes. One moment, I'm on a high. The other moment, I'm on a low. I look in the mirror and I say, I'm a crazy. Or I'm a liar. Or I'm delusional. That's what I am. Either you're this or you're this. You're actually experiencing Igulim. Igulim doesn't have Mata. Igulim does not get afraid from paradoxes. It's completely not afraid of paradoxes. Not afraid of contradictions, because it's actually a space where there's no contradictions. Contradictions is created by our dualities, and we're uncomfortable in this place and in an opposite place. So therefore, we either go here or we go here, unless we're dreaming. What happens in gulluses is a paradox. That itself is a paradox. Because there is a diluted state of spiritual consciousness... So on one level it's dark, a person is dreaming, but just like in sleep, because I'm sleeping, so therefore I go to a space in which the hierarchy of the world of Gili doesn't exist, so therefore in my dream I can experience two opposites and I'm at peace with it. But then when I wake up, I tell myself, you can't do that, you can't do that. Why can't you do that? Because this world doesn't tolerate that reality. The dream world of Igulam does tolerate that reality. But you can't do it in this world unless you're dreaming. In the dream world, you, so to speak, get detached from this reality. So the dream has no problem with it. Why does the dream have no problem with it? Because actually, the point is that in the dream world, it's not a paradox. It's just this world is like a dictatorship in the sense it says, you can't be like this. It's either or. Either it's this or this. So therefore you have to make choices. So you have to make choices. So you go to the lowest common denominator and you say by davening I was a liar and after davening by breakfast or in business my true self emerged. But the MS is that there's a deeper perspective. And the deeper perspective is that what you're experiencing in Gullus, which is really this paradoxes it's not either or. You can't look at it as either or. Either this is true or this is true. And since I'm not this I must be this. That's not the case. So even though we're experiencing, as a, we're experiencing it as a tension because we pit one against the other, but be- MS, what's happening is that in Golos you have a taste of Hayinukhaum, <laughs> of a state where actually paradoxes are not seen as paradoxes anymore. Because those are words that we impose on our experiences. <laughs> You understand what Al Alter is saying? Huh? Thanks. So, uh, so now I want to ask you, so what do you tell yourself? So you daven, you had up sashtikal avas Hashem, and then the day continues, and suddenly you find yourself being a new person, complete opposite. What is he trying to say? How should you process that information? How should you process it according to his heart? We know how we process it. We process it through guilt. We always process it through guilt. You see, I'm a liar, 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 I'm, a liar, I'm not even going to try. That's how we process it. saying, don't process it that way. You're processing it through this either-or, very powerful stick that you have. You're this side, you're this side. You're my enemy, you're my friend. He says that whole process has to go. You have to process it differently. How should you process it? Nuvazakstah? Logically? Let's <laughs> see, i Not logically. <laughs> so what, what does the person tell himself? You're accept, you're you're able to access a deeper reality of yourself. Uh, this is what is. And therefore, that's, good. that's it. You're, you're deep right. Deep. Right. There's a purpose. There's purpose for my fall also. Exactly. We're still a work in progress. Like yes. It's, it's, all right. it's all part of my journey. It's all part right. of my journey. Right. Yeah. And therefore, it's really one with what I experienced before. Now, how that translates practically, sometimes I have to resist. It doesn't mean to embrace everything as holy. <laughs> right? Suddenly in, in the office, I become a shark. And I say, oh, that's also true. Now I'm a shark. Let me kill. That's not what he's saying. Don't give up on yourself. Right. Don't give up on yourself. Don't look at yourself as detached from the divine energy because divine energy looks this way. How do you know what divine energy looks like? How do you know what it looks like? How do you know what God looks like? Maybe sometimes it doesn't look so idealistic. In the world of Igulim, there's nothing that's detached. There's nothing that's disconnected. In the world of hierarchies, of course, this is right, this is left, this is good, this is bad, this is a low state, this is a high state, this is a low state, this is a very low state, this is a horrible state. Why do you call it, Why are you calling it a horrible state? Why are you being so judgmental of it? The judgmentalism of it is what destroys it. So you'll say, well, what do you mean? It's gulus It's because it's because I'm in a lower state that tzaddik doesn't have this." He says, "You're right, because the tzaddik lives in a world of revelation. He's in touch with everything, and when you're in touch with everything in this world, there's a world of structure. Dafka, when you're asleep, so the concealment is what allows us access." to a much deeper place of reality. That's why Mashiach comes after Golos. It's not that Mashiach is you go back to a place before Golos. That's not Mashiach. Mashiach is you reveal that the Golos is Geula. You reveal that Golos gave you an access to an energy that you couldn't have without it. But now it looks like Golos. Now it looks like you're sleeping. Now the way it translates itself is through Golos, through darkness. You're asleep. When you're awake, you don't do this. You can't do it. The only way you can do it is when you go to sleep. But when you go to sleep, what are you accessing? You're accessing a much deeper space of reality. What happens in Gaula is that in your consciousness you can access it and you could see what you accessed in Gaulus. In other words, Mashiach is revealing the energy of Gaulus. But in Golos it was translated through pain. Through a form of darkness. You were asleep. In other words, there's the tension, there's the paradox. It's because I don't know who I am. It's because God is so concealed. But really, you're tuning into an energy of absolute oneness. That's the depth of Hayinu k'chalman. That's why they say Hayinu k'chalman. I'm going to tell you a litvish of arts, but it really, it's really, uh, it's a levush for this vart. It's a vart from the Briskarov. They asked the, the Briskarov was once talking. Said, "What's Pshat Hayinu k'chalman? What's Pshat Hayinu k'chalman? It's really not a art, it's a brisk art more than a art. It's a very good vart. He said like this. He said, Is there anybody here who you ever had a dream, I'm sure most Jews, you had a dream that you were in the Holocaust? Anybody? You were in the concentration camps. Especially if you read books on the Holocaust, what the Nazis did, sometimes people dream about it. And you wake up in a concentration camp, right? You expect your whole family is gone, I mean, What the Jews went through. You know what I'm talking about? And it's the worst of the worst. It's beyond a nightmare. It's the worst of the worst. You wake up. and You're like, oh, thank God I'm in the United States. You know? Thank God we're in America, right? With all of our issues in America. Global warming. Thank God I'm in America takes maybe five minutes, you're still trembling, you're still seeing the visions of, of the SS and their dogs, but but you relax. And what happens afterwards? An hour late, I mean, if you're more or less what we would call a functional person, you forgot about it. Maybe, maybe tomorrow night's going to come back, but you, you go to work, you take a shower, you go there, you do what you got to do. You move on. The Briskerov said, what about a person who was in the concentration camps? You tell them, oh, it's time to go to work, let's go, it's time to go to work. Anybody who grew up with survivors or grandchildren of survivors knows it doesn't work that way. There were Jews who would scream every night for 50 years, in the middle of the night. Some of you know them personally. They would scream every night for 50 years. What's the difference? Because the difference is you had a dream, (laughs) and you were in reality. It's a difference. You were in a chalem, you were in reality. A chalem, I wake up, 10 minutes later, it never happened. It did, but in terms of its impact, it never happened. In reality, it did, it did happen. when well, It didn't happen. So Malaz B'shuva Hashem as Shiva the Nechel said, the healing by Mashiach will be so powerful that the Jewish people will be able to extricate themselves from the trauma of Golos as though it was a dream. Even though it wasn't a dream. It was 2,000 years of suffering. The healing will be so powerful that they'll be able to liberate themselves from the trauma as though it was a challah. As though it was a dream. Just like we have a horrible dream and it's crazy. And in the dream, you died and everyone died and your world came to an end. In the dream, you're sweating buckets, you're hollering, you're screaming, you're terrified. You wake up... You jump out of bed. Oh, you start feeling yourself. I'm alive. You start checking on your kids. Right? <laughs> Nobody broke into the house. The house is not on fire. Whoa! Thank God. Okay. And ten minutes later, you forgot about it. Yeah, you forgot. Don't try next. Kids are already hollering. They're terrorizing. You got to take them to the bus. It's all over. You don't have time. You got to go. Uh, somebody got to cover the bills. So what happened? It was a He Says Hayinu kecholam, and will be that state. That's what he said. How does that happen? How does that happen? How does a person heal from trauma in a way that they could look at it to treat and not because we're insensitive? That we're not talking about insensitivity. Somebody, says, oh, just move on. Come on, I'm not talking about that. That's why it's only b'shuv Hashem Shiva It was it happened, but they should be able to liberate themselves so much and not be able to experience it that way. So this is a very, very profound experience. It's an extremely profound experience. How can somebody, can a person even achieve that? It's not a simple thing. That's why it says, But part of it has to do with the fact, what he's saying here, that the chalom essentially, the whole gullus is called the chalom not because it's not real. It's very real. And it's profoundly real, and sometimes it's profoundly painful. But the Vart is that Geula doesn't take you away from Galos. Geula reinterprets Galos. It doesn't take you away from the experience. It just gives you an interpretation of the experience. And that allows the experience itself to become something that you see in different ways. So it's not Pshad, the Geula is a new beautiful world. No! It's, it's a new world. That the gulim, which usually have to be concealed in our world, because we live in a world of structure, that's how God wanted it. We don't live in a world of igulim. we live in a structured world, that's how it is. I am I and you are you. We can't make believe everything is one and oneness. Really everything is one, that's the truth. People who live on that level are really living truth. But in our world, what do we call them? We call them Meshuggah. Because we call Meshuggah anything that threatens the hierarchy, that. Right? But really sometimes you hear people screaming things and they're you know they're throwing out their sugar, really they speak the truth, right? <laughs> they just say it too much, they're unfiltered. We have to filter everything. In a chalim, you're not filtered, you're not filtered, you go to that core. The way we access unfiltered reality is through difficulty, through challenge. This is it's an element of sleep. You're not you're not fully conscious. That's how we access it. But in Gaulah, you'll be able to access it in a cohesive fashion so that the oneness will be able to come out in a revealed way. So you'll be able to say and say, Ah, it was a Cholom. So Mele, says, don't get so judgmental about yourself that you go from one extreme to another extreme. Because on one level, you could just say you're nothing, you're a nobody. Or on another level, you could say you're giving a, you're given a taste of a which has to do with the Chesor of Avgalos, just like you don't dream when you're awake. You don't dream when you're awake. You're not supposed to dream when you're awake. <laughs> I mean, people daydream a lot, especially if you're in a sheer, but um, it's a survival a survival mechanism. So if you're looking back acknowledging your growth, once upon a time we could only access the Gulen when we were homeless. Yes. But now look how far we've come. Yes, yes, yes. So now <coughs> it finishes. Now is the last point. I just want to finish the last lines. Now you understand why Yaakov and Yosef don't stop dreaming. Now you understand why Yaakov and Yosef don't stop dreaming. But mostly we don't see dreams. ruach shel Yosef. He's getting now into a profound discussion here. Which we're not going to have time right now, but he says it says in Kabbal, V'nada <laughs> v'aviyu with are the beginning of Yosef, nefesh ruach. V'anachnu ze they came to Moshe and they said, "We're tameh. The people who dealt with Nadav Aviu's Avihu's body became tameh, and they couldn't be makav of the carbon pears." They said, "We're tameh le nefesh. Nefesh is Aviu. Avol Nadav hoyim abchinas ruach v'lo yitzvichim hazor b'shvile klal v'lof nemar ruach n'adivusus mecheni." So this was the nefesh ruach of Yosef, and Moshe says Nadav Aviu was superior than him. That means Yosef had a mile even over Moshe. V'zo shakas of noye katsayin Yosef. Pesach says in Tehillim. God leads the shepherd, the flock, Yosef. In other words, the Jews are called Yosef. The way our situation is in Golos is we're led through Yosef. Yosef is the dreamer. The dreamer is Egulim. When Yaakov speaks to Yosef at his deathbed, he calls him Ben Pyrus Yosef. Pyrus comes from the word charm. He's a, a son of charm, of, of, of appeal, of chayn. as this khain. But poiris is Oessius Poyser with Teufer. is somebody who interprets dreams. Toifer is somebody who sows. He could connect things. So poiris is Poyser and Toifer. That's why he can decipher dreams. What is Yosef's skill in life? Yosef looks at dreams and he can make sense out of dreams. He can decipher dreams. He can open up dreams to you. In other words, we have a state of reality when we're awake. We have our state of reality when we're dreaming. The state of reality when we're dreaming is a very chaotic state. Of course, this is a hundred years before the whole uh, philosophy of what dreams are, Freud, etc., everything you want, access to people, analyze their dreams. This is a hundred years before. A chalim was what people do when they're sleeping, you know, wake up and say moidani and move on. But he's saying dreams are a a venue, literally into the state of igulim, into a state of absolute oneness, which only exists in the unconscious. And when it comes out in the real world, it's chaotic. Why is it chaotic? Because we don't have the lenses to be able to see oneness. We look at things, classifications. So now you give me boom, 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 boom. I'm like, oh my God, leave me alone. I'm out of here. Find a relationship with somebody else. Right? I can't deal with this. Why? Because, I, for me, reality is classifications. Hakdoros. You start telling me another world, it's, I go crazy, but over there there's no Hakdoros. So what happens? We shut it down. We go away from it. And that causes a lot, a lot of pain. And that's the paradoxes of life. Yosef's ability was to be able to look at the Chalem and to be poiser the Chalem, to be able to decipher the dream, to be able to make sense out of the senseless. In other words, to be able to find harmony in the fragmentation by giving access to the world of igulim. This was his uniqueness. And this is, as he says elsewhere, why his brothers couldn't deal with his dreams. The brothers could not appreciate this concept fakert they saw it as extremely dangerous, as extremely absurd, as extremely ridiculous. But this was Yosef's unique ability in his own life. There were so many paradoxes, not only not to get derailed from paradoxes, but actually to use the paradoxes as a catalyst, as a springboard for a different level of harmony, which you cannot experience without the paradoxes. Because this true level of harmony only emerges through paradoxes. Because in this state of oneness, there's absolutely no paradoxes. That's why we dream in metaphors. Huh? That's why we dream in metaphors. Always. This is, this is this. This is not... A metaphor is, I can use this to mean this, I right. can to mean that. Yeah. Dreams are always in metaphors. You'll rarely ever dream of the reality itself. <laughs> because dreams, things, you know, borrow from each other and lend to each other. That's what you mean. There's no distinctions. There's no distinctions. Really what we need is to, so to interpret... Reality, yeah, it's not about interpreting the dream. <laughs> well, there's a tension today between when you're sleeping and when you're awake, and it's a normal tension. I can only dream when I'm sleeping, when I'm awake, I can't dream because consciousness doesn't allow for it, unless you're sleeping, you know, you're you're, walk, you're, you're sleepwalking. Some people are sleepwalking. Are we <laughs> Why people dream more bad dreams than good dreams, depends who, some of us dream very sweet dreams, but I'll tell you why. You'll see an interesting thing, you'll see an interesting thing with dreams, and that is that uh, if you have nightmares, if you're to have nightmares, you'll find a very interesting thing. 99% of nightmares, you never run away completely from your enemy. You almost run away, you're like behind the door, but he opens the door and he shoots and then you wake up. It really happens that in the dream, you run away and you go on vacation and you're like, and I live happily ever after and you wake up. doesn't happen. It's always, he's about to get you and then you wake up. You never run away from him. Why not? The answer of course is, because the person chasing you in your dream is, is You. And you can never run away from yourself. So in the dream, you could never make peace and say, okay, I got away from it. What do you get away from? You got away from yourself, you can't get away from yourself. You are pursuing yourself in your dream. Your dream is just opening you up to the conflicts that are happening within yourself. Now here he describes it as a conflict between Aves Hashem and Avas Hageshem, But that's the, essentially the conflict between who you are. And I can never get away from that. Because I can never get away from it, I almost get away from it, I think I'm going to get away from it. But you catch up to yourself because you find yourself. And that's the idea. So the, huh? You always wake up at the scariest yeah, That's party. where you wake up. Because that's the, that's the key. That's the moment. That's what the dream is trying to tell you. The dream is trying to tell you that you are your own worst enemy. And the reason you are your own worst enemy is because you cannot accept the different parts of yourself. You feel that you have to cut out a certain part of yourself. And therefore, this part is saying, No, no, I'm here. And you won't be able to get away from me. People that, be, that behave the way they should have not, I, guess, I wouldn't say behave the way they should. That's already, it's behave the way they should. It's just a reflection of where we are in reality. So that's, that's but since most knowledge. of us have inner conflict, so therefore our dreams reflect that, rather than just, uh, you know... Uh, I live happily ever after. The dream is, is, is an avenue into a deeper reality, not to this. I have a friend, a classmate, who's obsessed with dreams all day. So he came to me the other day and he says, you should start getting into your dreams. That's what I do. So I said, the truth is I'm having a hard time still figuring myself out when I'm awake. <laughs> Once I master everything that happens when I'm awake, then I'll go to the dreams. Okay, but uh, but the truth is that dreams, you know, are a venue into that reality. But you have to be able to be poysach to have a dream is nishkin <laughs> To be able to turn a dream into destiny, to be able to turn a dream into a blessing, that was Yosef. His dreams lechayda caused him every dream he had caused him more pain than the other. Most people would tell if Yosef would go to a therapist, he would say Yosef, stop dreaming. Don't go to sleep. <laughs> Don't go to sleep. His brothers hated him. This one hated him. Yeah? Every dream. Yeah. The Mas- Tzara Mashkin's dream, he interprets that. Uh, he ends up in prison Viter. But at the end, the dreams allow him to become the Prime Minister of Egypt. You understand?
1: So also, the Chalim...
0: Huh? Also the reality allowed him to do that. The brothers pushed him into more reality. So so it's kind of uh, both... They threw him into reality. They threw him into reality because of the dreams. Yeah. So that also got him to where he needed to be. It's the execution. It's, not huh? it's the execution. A lot of people dream. That people that execute. Execute the mm-hmm. dreams. Execute. I have a dream. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.